Episode number 66, Atomic Habits Part 2. In this episode, we are continuing our habit series. We're going to take all of the habits that you identified in episode 65 and we're going to put an action plan behind it. We're getting right to it in three, two, one. Welcome to the Heal Your Burnout Podcast, where us hustlers come together to have solution-focused conversations weekly. My name is Amber Connolly a former burnt out clinician and academic turned transformative coach. If you are a productive patty, miss I can do it all, or if you are ready to ditch the exhaustion, you have come to the right place. Each week I'll be providing you with wellness tips and trainings, inspiring you to look within, replace habits that are keeping you stuck, and offering insights to help you maintain your brilliance. If you are craving clarity, self-care, support, and mindset hacks, look no further. This is where your energy can be reignited and your hope can be restored. Welcome back, Atomic Habits, part number two. Here we go. So we left off in the last episode with those five categories, the one habit in each category, maybe two that you want to work on, and we were certain to pick the easiest one for each and every category. So we're setting ourselves up to succeed. So in this episode, we're going to just talk about some, some tips for when you're establishing how you're actually going to do it. Because behind the goal, we need to have a system in place. Because remember from our last episode, it's all about systems and it's all about keeping those systems achievable and making sure that it's something we can stick to. So in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about how the secret ingredients for keeping a habit achievable and successful is keeping it visible, satisfying, easy, and attractive. So if we break down what a habit really is and what happens each and every time we do a habit, there's always four main things. There's a cue, a craving, a response, and then finally a reward. And this holds true for habits that are serving us and habits that aren't serving us. So if we take my example of how I scroll too much on my phone looking at Instagram and then end up comparing myself and not feeling so great, if we take that example and if we figure out, okay, how do we apply that formula, that cue, craving, response, reward? For me, my cue is usually, okay, I'm bored. Okay, don't know what to do or I'm idle, I'm uncomfortable, I'm avoiding something. Okay, so I'm either bored or avoiding something. That's the cue. The craving is I want to go on my phone. So then the response is I take out my phone, I go on Instagram, and I scroll. The reward ultimately is me comparing myself and not feeling so great. But the gratification piece is, okay, well, then I'm not bored. I'm not idle anymore. I don't have to do that thing that maybe I was putting off. It fulfills a purpose for me. And that cycle happens so automatically, I don't even think about it. I could sit down at Starbucks waiting for my drink to come out. Okay, I'm idle without even realizing it. I'm scrolling on Instagram. So anytime we could slow down that process and actually figure out how does that formula fit into habits that aren't serving me and how can I break that? that cue, craving, response, reward, or how can I apply that to a habit that I want to create? So for me, if we continue on with that example, we want to make whatever my new habit is, 
We want to break that cycle. We want to recognize that cue of being bored. And we want to pause before, in between the craving and the response, before I'm already taking already taking my phone out. So if we look at those other components of now, the process of the habit is the cue, craving, response, reward. But the things that make a habit stick are keeping it visible, satisfying, easy, and attractive. So if instead of, let's see, instead of going on my phone, let's use the Starbucks example. Cue, I'm at Starbucks waiting for my drink, I'm bored, craving, I need to do something. If we replace out that response and reward, what is something I could do when I feel idle? So if I'm brainstorming some ideas, let's see, I could respond to emails, I could respond to text messages, I could listen to a podcast, I could listen to music. I typically don't go to Starbucks with anyone else, so it's not like I could stand there and talk to a friend, but I have other options. Now, it could be hard to do those options if it involves being on my phone. So if if I choose doing the email, I know enough about myself that my mind doesn't go to email. My mind goes to check Instagram. So for me, it makes the most sense to cut off the the cue and the craving. So walk into Starbucks with my headphones or my AirPods, go up to the counter, order my drink, and then put in my headphones and listen to a song or listen to a podcast episode. And then that way I'm listening, but I'm not scrolling on my phone. And it breaks the response and the reward. I'm getting the reward of being occupied, but I'm breaking the response of scrolling on Instagram. So for me, it would involve actually keeping headphones or keeping my AirPods in my purse. And it would involve recognizing before I even go into the store. So when that craving hits, I already am set up for success. And that little swap of keeping my headphones there could help. Now, for me, that's just one example. Honestly, I'm not really going to Starbucks that often, usually once a week, if that. So for me, that's not going to be what I'm going to work on. For me, I think the hardest time for me and my phone is usually like at the end of the day, before bedtime, after dinner, like after everything is winding down for the day. And for me, that cue craving response is so automatic. If I'm being honest with myself, I don't even think I should have my phone around. So I think for me, cutting it off, at keeping my phone on the charger away from me in a completely different room from where I watch TV or where I'm trying to unwind. If I'm laying in bed, not keeping it on my nightstand, but putting it across the room on the charger, I think those swaps would be much more impactful for me using the example of breaking a habit that's not serving me. So, and all I'm doing is I'm applying those principles of visible, satisfying, easy, and attractive. So if I put my phone in the other room, it's no longer visible, it's invisible. If I keep it where it's not easily accessible, it's no longer something that I could just grab and do. For me, I don't think the satisfying, easy, and attractive piece, I don't think that I'm taking away the satisfaction of scrolling. So I think replacing that with something else will create a different habit. So what am I going to do when I feel that craving of being bored? What can I do that's going to feel satisfying? Maybe it's starting a new show on Netflix. Maybe it's, 
I don't think it's calling a friend to catch up because at the end of the day, I don't really want to talk at that point. So I need to figure out for me what's going to substitute that satisfying feeling so that I can not feel bored, not feel idle. Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's journaling. Maybe it's just sometimes just going to bed because so often I'm just on my phone and I'm not, I'm not even going to bed. I'm not doing anything. So I really need to think through how I'm going to swap out that satisfying feeling. And I think that I'm making it easier on myself because I'm actually cutting off my access to the phone, which for me, that's just simply what I need to do. So let's look at, let's look at a different, a different category here. So let's say physical. Physical for me, it is actually, I want to do going to yoga. So normally my cue craving response reward is I have my workout plan mapped out for the week and the cue is it's my time to work out. I'm already set up for success. It's already a habit that I have that is working well for me. And when that workout time comes, I crave it. The response is it's now a discipline for me. I go and I do it and the reward is I feel better after my workout. I feel more calm after my workout. I feel like my hour was well spent when I do that. Now for yoga, I don't have a system for that. So here, whenever we're looking at, when we're picking the habit that you want to work on, take a look at what's working well for you. Because as we talked about in the last episode, you already have things that you're doing incredibly well. So in addition to making habits visible, satisfying, easy, and rewarding, another component is also stacking it with something that you're already doing. So for example, yoga. For me, it's going to be really hard to start doing yoga from nothing. I'm not in the practice of doing yoga at this point in my life. Yes, I'm accustomed to working out. But I'm literally doing zero yoga per week, (laughs) zero minutes of yoga. So that's going to be a really big change for me. So going from zero to 60 minutes, although I have the time carved out and I'm I'm good at fitting in a workout, I'm going to have to figure out what's achievable for me but isn't going to cause me to quit. So if I'm being honest with myself, I think starting with a home yoga practice where I don't have to leave my house maybe start with 20 minutes, not 60 minutes, and grow from there and eventually work up to actually going to the studio and doing it. Maybe it looks like the a weekend class every other week and then building from there. So we want to look at where are the pockets in your day that you could stack the new behavior on something that you're already doing consistently. So... Brushing your, some things that we all do consistently. We brush our teeth daily. We shower daily. Likely you might have a morning coffee or a morning cup of tea. Before you go to bed, you might have things that you do before bed. Anytime you could stack what you're already doing on top of the new behavior or pair the new behavior with something you're already doing, you're going to be more successful at doing it because you already have that built-in cue craving response reward. So for me, for yoga, something that I'm going to do, and this is me talking through this, I haven't thought about it before recording this, I don't want to do yoga in the morning because I journal in the morning and I don't have much more than five minutes to give in the morning, so I can't do yoga in the morning. I don't have enough time. And I walk my dog in the morning, there's just no time for that. 
So I think for me, doing yoga on a day during the week where after work I have clients scheduled, I think I could do that right before my client appointments in the evening. I think I could dedicate 20 minutes, come home from work, walk my dog, take 20 minutes, do this yoga, see the clients after, then eat dinner. So for me, I'm going to that's what I'm going to do. My my I'm going to plug that in instead of going to the gym or taking a rest day and I'm going to work in the yoga. And I'm going to start with once per week and then I'm going to increase it from there. Hopefully into doing it more consistently than just once per week. Ideally, I'd love to make it to the yoga studio eventually, at least once per week. So visible, how am I going to make it visible? How am I going to make it satisfying? How am I going to make it easy? How am I going to make it attractive? For me, I need to I need to have it ready to go before I even leave the house for work that day. So for me, Something as small as moving my yoga mat into the space that I plan to do the yoga is going to be helpful. So I need to get my yoga mat, I need to unroll it, and I need to have it ready to go so when I get home from work, it's there. And a way for me to make it satisfying, I love tracking and crossing things off my to-do list and tracking habits and tracking consistency. So I want to incorporate that into my daily to-do list so I could actually cross it off the list. And for me... It would be really satisfying to plug it into my calendar and to actually watch the process of putting it on the calendar, actually showing up and doing it, and then getting to cross it off the calendar. For me, that's really satisfying. I'm making it easy for myself because it's at my house and it's going to be paired with my evening activities of having evening clients after work. So I think that that is a really good fit for me. And the way I'm going to make it attractive is by already having the yoga mat out. I think that easy and attractive thing goes together. And that is how I'm going to do the yoga. The yoga routine, I should say, not the yoga. (laughs) Now let's say if you're applying this to your own habits, ask yourself, what can you do to make something visible, satisfying, easy, and attractive? Now you might be doing this exercise and it's hard. It's hard when you think of going from not doing something to doing something. And especially if you're not used to giving yourself the time to do something new, it's going to feel really strange actually carving out the time to do it. So how do we make the time for it? Well, I think it goes first into planning and actually deciding how much time can you start with. So if your practice is you're trying to create the habit of journaling or meditating, start small. Start with two minutes. That's two more minutes than you've done up until this point, which is a huge win. Don't start with 60 minutes. Or if you're starting to exercise, start with a 10-minute walk or a seven-minute walk around the block, a five-minute walk, and then slowly build that up and go from there. And I think that it's never easy to actually dedicate time to yourself, especially if you're not accustomed to it. And women at large, we're really bad at this, especially if we are in other roles as moms, caregivers, and we fulfill so many other different roles in our lives. So going from never giving yourself any time to giving yourself time is challenging and it's not going to feel natural. 
It's not going to feel good. It, it, it doesn't because you're just simply not doing that. So how do we start doing that? Well, definitely, like I said, definitely planning. I think making peace with the fact that it's going to feel strange. It's not going to feel good. But I think ultimately surrendering to the fact that by doing this, you're taking care of yourself. In the same way you go to your doctor, you feed yourself, you make decisions throughout your day as small or as big as they are. You make the decision to brush your teeth. You make the decision to do your hair for the day. Whatever that is, your decision to take care of yourself is allowing you to live your life and to thrive and to show up for all the other areas of your life. So look at it as an investment and start small. Don't start off with a three-hour investment. Don't start off with something that's so unrealistic and, and be graceful with yourself. Accept where you're starting from. If you're starting from zero minutes per day dedicated to yourself, it cannot be a one-hour investment out of the gate. Start slow and that holds true for every new habit that you're setting. Start slow and start small and add to it very slowly because tiny changes equal big results when it comes to cultivating new habits. Building off of that, two final pieces in closing. Have empathy for yourself. Not just yourself right now creating the new habit, but have empathy for future you who is going to be choosing to do the new habit. So an example of this, let's say you're working on journaling daily and you have a vacation planned and you're on vacation and let's say you forget your journal or you're sleeping in, you're off your routine. Understand that when you're setting up these goals, whatever date you pick to start, consider your vacation. Hey, I'm on vacation that week. Have empathy for the you going on vacation and recognize, yeah, that's not a good week to start this habit. I should start when I get back from vacation. Or, hey, I've cultivated this really great habit and I'm going on vacation. Let's try to journal once on vacation and be okay with the other three days not because you're on vacation and you need to have empathy for your future self. Let's say you're working on waking up each morning and going for a 20-minute walk. And let's say the night before you have some sort of event, a work event or some sort of celebratory party and you stay out late. Have empathy for the future you. Future you doesn't want to wake up at 7 a.m. and do a 20-minute walk. And you know what? That's okay. Maybe it's a 20-minute walk at 7 p.m. that day. Maybe it's a rest day that day and you start again on Monday. It doesn't have to always be so strict and always be so black and white. Consider the future you, give yourself grace, give yourself empathy, and be mindful of where you're going to be at when you're actually doing that habit change. Because remember, if we make it too hard or if we make the goal too strict, then we're not going to be able to stick to the habit. Last but not least, you need to have accountability when it comes to setting new habits. You absolutely have to. That is a must. Without accountability, why would you keep doing it? There's no reason why. How are you going to hold yourself accountable? For every person, this will look different. Is it telling a friend? Is it saying to a friend, hey, please text me tomorrow to make sure I went on my walk? 
hey, hey friend, I'm going to text you every single time I do my meditation practice. Hey spouse, I set up this automated savings thing and I want you to take a look at it every time I get paid to make sure I'm not pulling from the savings account. Whatever that is, how can you hold yourself accountable? Usually this involves telling another person. This might involve reaching out to someone for support. It might involve paying someone to be your accountability person. It might involve reaching out for a coach or or going to therapy. Someone to hold you accountable because without accountability, we have no reason to stick to something. Maybe it's, it's great to have a reward at the end, but you need something holding you accountable along the way. And I think there's so much value in having skin in the game, like financial skin in the game. So if you belong to a gym, you're paying a monthly gym membership, that's skin in the game, your investment in your gym membership. If you're paying a coach, paying a therapist, that's skin in the game. You're paying a copay, you're paying a fee to be there. You're forcing yourself to show up because you're investing in it. And investing in yourself is always a good idea, whether it's financially, whether it's with time, whether it's including someone else in your plan, you need to think of a way to hold yourself accountable because without accountability, there is absolutely no sustainability. For me, my favorite, I'm gonna list off some ways I like to stay accountable, let's see. I love to tell other people what I'm up to and I love to tell my close friends like, hey, this is what I'm doing, check in with me about it or hey, I'm gonna let you know how it goes, hey, I'm doing this tomorrow, I'll be sure to text you after, I'll let you know how it goes. I personally have a coach. My coach holds me accountable to to staying true to whatever systems I have in place or whatever it is that I'm working towards. It's always a good idea to have some sort of accountability. For me, working with a coach not only puts skin in the game because I'm financially paying for it, but also time in the game because we're having sessions to talk about it. And then also you have someone saying like, hey, how is that moving forward? How is it going? Where are you at with this? And it keeps it on the forefront. So think of ways to keep yourself accountable. Accountable. It might be joining an accountability group. There's even apps out there. I, I hear about accountability apps. That's always something too. Maybe a way to check in with a community. There's tons of online communities. You don't know what's out there. Go out and, and do a search about it. How can you hold yourself accountable? This concludes our part two of our, ha- our our habit series, Atomic Habits part two. In the next episode, we're getting into those, um, my next episode, I should say, we're getting into those 23 habits for 2023 if you're looking for some habit inspo. And our very next episode, I'm so excited, our first ever guest talking about keeping your habits sustainable. Woo, I can't wait for you to listen. Thank you so much. I won't be, I will be in episode 67, but I won't be alone. It will be with our special guest. And in the episode after that, episode 68, we're getting into the different, different inspo for habits. I will catch you in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Hey friend, before you leave, please head on over to iTunes podcast and search for Heal Your Burnout. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, give us a five-star review, and help us spread the word about our show. I would love to connect with you on social media. My Instagram handle is at Amber underscore Connolly underscore. And until next time, I'm sending you so much love and light. 
and I can't wait to keep moving forward with you.